0: romance novel veteran.
1: And I'm the virgin.
0: And we're your hosts. Hi Clayton. Hello. How have you been?
1: I'm doing all right hanging in there.
0: You guys chose the book this week and it is The Hating Game by Sally Thorne.
1: Yes it went up against the Bromance Book Club Mm-hmm. which I thought for sure was a slam doink.
0: You thought it was such a slam dunk, you bought it. You're like this is what I'm gonna read. I'm gonna buy it.
1: Well it was also on sale.
0: Ooh. Two nine, it, yeah.
1: It was two ninety nine. So I was like, listen, I'm gonna buy it no matter what. You know, if it does if it does get picked, good. If it doesn't get picked, it's three bucks. Yeah. I got I got my stimulus check.
0: <laughs> well and also we probably will be reading in the future. I mean that's when yes. that's been recommended to us so many times it seems silly not to.
1: Uh, But good thing I got my stimulus check because the hating game costs almost twelve dollars. Whoa. So those cartoon
0: w- covers will, will get you.
1: Now, is it the illustrators that cost so much? Is that what it is? Is that
0: I've, illustrators have had it too good for too long? I think. Yeah,
1: I want to see. I want to see how long it actually took that person to draw that p- picture. And and how much they charged for it, because I don't know if that's going to be I, I think that's an inflated wage. I want to I want to see the breakdown.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I think this is the issue with cartoon covers is that they're a way of sort of neutering it, making romance like easier to swallow for the masses, which, you know, I don't enjoy. And then you feel like you can charge a little bit more because people think it's chicklet, whatever that is versus yeah. romance. Yeah. And this also had been recommended to us a few times. We got an email from Amy, and she says uh, that this is a hilarious enemies to lovers office romance that she recommends all the time because she loves it so much. So I wanted to shout out her.
1: And now this is a very popular book.
0: Yes. Already optioned.
1: Yes. And I saw that and already cast Mm Hmm. with two actors that I got to say, I don't know about...
0: You're not a big uh pretty little liars fan.
1: Well, that the actress I, I can't remember what her name is, but
0: Lucy Hale.
1: Yeah, she has been in several Blumhouse horror pictures. She was in Truth or Dare. Blumhouse is Truth or Dare. And she was also recently in the Fantasy Island horror reboot, if you can believe that's a thing. <laughs> and she's fine. She's fine. But she doesn't necessarily have much of a spark for me as an actress. And then, the gentleman that they cast is a guy that I don't know much about. Uh, but there's 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 like a there's very few young actors nowadays that would make me horny. Okay. Like back in the day, there seemed like there was a lot of actors that were hunks. there's not that many hunks around anymore.
0: Well, is it because you were younger back then and then you were looking at other... Because now it's like a little bit pervy to be like, oh, that 22-year-old is sexy. I still manage, but...
1: Oh, you mean like if I look at a 22-year-old man and be like, that's a hunk, that's creepy?
0: I don't think it's creepy, but I think it's it's harder to find people outside of my age range attractive.
1: Well, see, that... That's because you're a woman. I'm a man. I can find
0: (laughs) anything attractive.
1: Men forget how old they are. (laughs) I think the thing is, is men just constantly need to be reminded what their age is. Because otherwise they run around thinking, I look like I did when I'm 19.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think there are definitely like younger, hunky guys. I mean, the guy that they cast, I didn't recognize him from anything, so I have no idea what he's like. He seems like very like just a bland soap opera type generic handsome well, actor.
1: Well, that's my worry with this is that we're going to get a Fifty Shades situation.
0: Jamie Dornan, I think he's very hot. Uh,
1: They they those two do nothing for me.
0: Well, they also so obviously hated each other. And Dakota Johnson just whispers her way through everything.
1: Yeah, so that's that's I'm I'm I'm, we're getting way. We got to talk about this book.
0: I know, but you know when they when a book's being made into a movie, I just find it endlessly exciting. Now let's judge this cover. What did you think?
1: It's fine. Didn't love it.
0: You know what it reminded me of? Have you ever seen the movie with Renee Zellweger? and ewan mcgregor down with love yes that's what i kept thinking of whenever i saw this cover and i love that movie
1: is it because he's straighten his he's straightening his tie in like a a not a funny way but in a kind of overly proper way right yeah yeah
0: and she has like a little bouffant and like little white heels and it just i mean i really love this cover a lot i think it's well done
1: well here's my i can see it being appealing Definitely, Mm -hmm. because if you love the comic covers, you're going to like this. My big issue with this is that Josh is yoked. Josh is ripped. In this book, Lucy says that he looks like Clark Kent in an old Superman comic book where, you know, he's just in a button-up shirt but, like, busting out of it. Mm -hmm. And this guy on the cover— Looks like a little Nedrick. He looks like a skinny <laughs> Nimrod. This is not Joshua Templeman.
0: Hashtag not my Joshua.
1: Absolutely. And I think that is the main issue with this.
0: Well, physically, they don't look like the way they're supposed to. Like, she's supposed to have black hair and bright blue eyes, as is he. He's yes. Supposed to be. So I think, you know.
1: Well, but that's, see, that I think is an issue with a cover because... I'm gonna be honest with you. I saw this cover and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be reading about an office-bound dork, <laughs> and I wasn't psyched for it. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, here's here's some corporate asshole that I'm gonna hate, and it's because I looked at this cover and the way he's doing his tie. I was like, oh, this fidgety jerk. Yeah. Listen, I'm fidgety, so it, but I, you know, it's just like it 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 did not make me psyched about this book.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sell the book, but I like as a cover like if I was walking through a bookstore and I saw that, it would make, give me pause. I would look okay. at
1: it. Okay.
0: Okay. Anyway, so that was what the cover wasn't doing, but tell me what was this book about?
1: Okay, so this book is about Lucinda Hutton, known as Lucy, and Joshua Templeman josh who work at a publishing company and it was a publishing company that merged and what happened was lucy kept her job in the merger and she had a a really close friend who lost their job and then they stopped talking and it was all her friend lucy wanted to still be friends but her friend couldn't get over that she lost her job and joshua was one of the people who when they did the merger Helped figure out who was going to be fired and who was going to be kept. And they are the personal assistants to the different heads of the company, right? So, and they sit right across from each other at a desk. And they have hated each other since the day they started working together. They hated each other, right? In quotes and there's a opening in the company for what is it like a coordinator some big uh
0: chief operating officer
1: chief operating officer which would essentially be the other person's boss if they were going to stay and the lucy the person that lucy is um the assistant to helen helena what's her name helen
0: well, she's French, so it should be Aline, but I think, you know, Helen is fine.
1: Aline, listen, there's sticklers out there.
0: Okay, you're right, you're right.
1: So, I don't know, Helene, we'll say that, and I'll I'll take, you know, I'll get I'll get crucified for it. <laughs> she's like, "Lucy, you got this. Lucy, you got this." And then his boss is Richard Bexley, who they call Fat Little Dick because he's gross and all he does is check out Lucy all the time and uh, he says to he says to Joshua you got this and they both have their horse in the race but the, 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 the problem with this is that Lucy and Josh start to have feelings for each other and that creates some issues and that's the that's the book
0: yeah I have to say, this book checks none of my boxes, and you know it's been around. People have been talking about it. People have been loving it for so long, and I've just been like, meh. I don't think that's going to be for me. This book was very much for me. It's sort of it's everything I don't like in a book, but it's that old thing of when you have the right author writing the book, it doesn't matter. It's first person and it's only her point of view. We only have Lucy's point of view, which normally in romances, I hate. So I'm like, I'm not here for one person, I'm here for two people. And it always just annoys me. But for some reason, I can't believe that this is Sally Thorne's first book. That's bananas because it is so well done. And I enjoyed being in her mind the entire time because she has a very chaotic mind. She's always thinking of a ton of different things at once she has a really interesting perspective and even when I was noticing things that were happening that she wasn't noticing it didn't make me angry at her I just sort of got where she was coming from the whole time and why she would miss these things or why she wasn't admitting certain things to herself I really loved this book what did you think
1: well I've been following the chatter on social media, right? I have access to the Facebook page. <laughs> I have access to the Instagram. Don't know what's going on on Twitter, but I'm assuming it's a fucking mess because it's Twitter. <laughs> and I am very sad to disappoint a lot of people out there. Oh, no. But I love this book as well.
0: <gasps> Yay!
1: And normally I don't really... Like much of the stuff that's overhyped and now listen it's not my favorite book ever but for a contemporary and the same thing you said for this type of book which is one POV enemies to lovers yeah don't usually like that office stuff you know I hate that shit yeah all of those things the cover which I like I said this guy looks like a dweeb <laughs> all of these th- the price of course the price I mean, and the i price, hate
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah you don't like spending money that's yeah that's no, no, not no. on sally
1: and here's the thing that i really hate about this is that as a creative person you are a creative person as well we are all creatives all of our friends are creatives i want people to spend money on the things we create so i do feel bad in making uh, complaining about paying for art Right. So I am, there's part of me that says, that is honest when I'm complaining about it. And then there's part of me that's just like, shut the fuck up. You got an enjoyable experience out of this. And just because it's more than you wanted to spend doesn't mean that it's not worth it.
0: Oh, no. And like we always say, like, I want Sally Thorne to get all the money.
1: Yes, the cover artist should get less money. We both agree on this. (laughs) You heard I'm it here.
0: That. both agree on this. But this is, no, we want authors to make all the money. I want Absolutely. Sally to have like four boats. But yeah, I think that's the thing with romance, especially because you read so many romances. You know, like I read three, four a week. And if that's going to be, you know, if if romances are $15 a book, it's harder to justify. Not that you can't. And I yes. would say anyone who's on the fence about buying this book because of the price you know you you know your own finances, but I would say this is worth it a hundred percent.
1: Yes, use your stimulus check if you got one. Stimulate the economy by purchasing this book. But I will say I really did like this book a lot, and I do think it is a feat by the author to make someone like me like this book. Yeah. Because it's everything, like you said, it's everything I don't like. It's I was so going into this, and I always say that I'm I'm open-minded when I when I uh, when I do this podcast. But uh, to be frank, it's very hard to be open-minded right now in the current situation because all I want to do is hunker down and fall into the things that I know will give me joy. Like it's very hard for me to want to explore new things when i'm really like okay i got a new thing going on the world is a new thing now (laughs) so so give me my rock memoirs and my mtv challenges and all these things that i am so used to and, and bring me comfort but i but i i did i loved it and it's also a slow burn a very slow burn, and I mean, there's no sex in this until 80 some percent into this book, mm-hmm. and I love that about it.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like obviously, you know, I'm a horn dog, I like the sex part of the books, yeah, but it's of course, it you're a horn dog, it needs to be earned. And I feel like this when it finally happened, I was like, oh my god, finally, yes, this is fantastic. But it felt like the right moment because what I sometimes with these animated lovers romances, you know, they get together, they have sex 50 percent in. And now I'm like, OK, well, what am I hanging around here for this? It was like they had sex. They finally sort of admitted they liked each other. And then we were just wrapping up loose ends. It was I was still loving the two of them, loving the two of them together, wanted to keep watching. Um, and then it was over. And I was like, this is a perfect book. Perfect, like we got in, we got out, loved it.
1: And I think that the, uh, Sally Thorne, correct? She's the author? Yeah. She did a great job of coming up with very good set pieces that put them in situations that were fun. And you can see where, you can see why this got optioned. Oh, yes. You, You can picture these scenes just the paintball scene the go to my wedding scene the oh, go to my brother's wedding scene yeah. uh you can see the like them sitting across from each other and everything
0: was so visual
1: yeah and her dressing in that ridiculous dress that short dress that so at the beginning of this book she does do a few things and it is Her point of view only. And I was thinking, okay, she is obsessed with this guy. Mm -hmm. This is unhealthy. And the author was able to pull back from that. And listen, they're both psychos because they're both so obsessed with each other. But somehow it doesn't come off as sociopathic because they're both so drawn to each other equally by the end. That it evens out. Because I found it a little bit at the beginning, claustrophobic being in her head, because there were so many thoughts moving back and forth. She did seem like too much of a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And that is something that they do talk about in the book. Because Josh is not liked in the company. He's feared. And she's the person who makes treats for everybody and remembers details about everybody. And he's the guy that if you don't do something that he wants you to do, you're gonna hear about it. And he's gonna do it in a forceful way. So he's not liked. I'm more on his camp just Mm -hmm. as a person than I am in hers. So it was hard for me not to get in his head. But I understand why, because the whole thing is like you have to slowly unveil, you have to peel back the onion and see that this is just a shy guy who has a bad dad Mm -hmm. and really just doesn't know how to deal with people because he hasn't been taught uh, the good way to do it.
0: It is so chaotic at the beginning, but you do love her early that you're like yeah it's weird she collects smurfs it's insane that she went to the office wearing fishnets frankly
1: yeah that that's crazy
0: that's a that's a an unhinged person but this book starts basically with her talking about how she thinks basically being in love with someone and hating someone a lot is the same emotion it's two sides of the same emotion because it's all consuming and i loved that the book opened that way because she's basically saying Oh, there's a part of me that knows I'm in love with Josh, but I'm going to be masking it with hatred for a little while. And it all kicks off because she shows up in that ridiculous outfit and then has to pretend that she's having a date, even though she only did it to make Josh want her.
1: Yes. Well, and she she also photocopied his, his desk calendar or what is that? Mm-hmm. His, um, planner. his planner. Planner. And he makes certain marks because the thing with Josh is that he's very tidy and type A. So he always wears the same color shirt every day. Not the same color every day, but he wears, say, mustard on Tuesday and sky blue on well, Friday. He has like Friday. a rotation that yes. he does. Yeah. So he's got a rotation of different colored shirts that she keeps track of. And then he does these marks in his planner that she always is wondering what these marks are. And she goes so far as to take his planner when he's gone, making a photocopy and then try to decode it. Mm-hmm. And this is before we know he has any feelings towards her at all positively. And so that did seem a little bit off off the, off the beaten path. But then we realize that he, so a lot of those marks have to do with her. Yeah. Like did she smile at someone else? Did uh he win a game with her or something like that? And then he's like the exes just breaks or something, which I thought was funny.
0: Yeah. That's he the admits other thing at about the end after he has like admitted her he loves her.
1: Yeah. That's the other thing about this book is that thank the good lord. Now not everything lands, but at least their back and forth was humorous right there is a few times when they were joking with each other that the jokes actually landed (laughs) and they seem to come organically from them right where this is lucy's sense of humor and this is joshua's sense of humor it wasn't shared star wars references and i hate to beat up on star wars but you know what it can take it
0: you it's always speed made... up. Star Wars is your thing.
1: Well, the thing with that is that we've said this before. That is sometimes, and this is no offense to people who like Star Wars. You're allowed to like what you like. But when a reference is a shorthand for a sense of humor, that doesn't work for me. Right. And that's a little bit what... And she does make one or two references to being a dork. And I... I see her as the the Zoe Deschanel version of a dork. Right. I mean, just not a supermodel is what most girls now refer to themselves as being dorks because of. Is that they don't look like the tall blonde that, spoiler alert, uh, Joshua breaks up with or she breaks up with him and marries his brother. And that's mm-hmm. the wedding that they go to, which I did not realize until way later than I should have <laughs> it I mean
0: took you, you were just so like in the story that you're like yeah everything's true there's nothing to decode
1: well because they were having you know they were going to go on a road trip together I was very excited for this and I was like are they gonna fuck is this when they do it so I was getting very invested in them and I thought okay he just doesn't want to go to a wedding because most weddings suck unless they're your closest friends or I, do, you,
0: I love weddings, but yeah.
1: Well, I mean, to each their own. Yeah. But I find most weddings to be boring. Not your guys. Like, you guys had a fun wedding. Like, most weddings are not outside the box. I've been lucky enough to have friends who've had outside-the-box weddings, and that's why I'm friends with them. That's why I have very few friends. But the ones <laughs> that I do, I go, I'm either a, a very integral part of their wedding – or they have a wedding that is spectacularly fun and, yeah. and different than most people's weddings. So yeah, when that bombshell happens, I was, I didn't find out when Lucy did, which was later than she should have, but right. I didn't find it. took
0: find Lucy it. a good, like Lucy is not quick on the uptake.
1: She's not. I do think she gets so focused on other things that she doesn't look mm-hmm. at what's in front of her, but that also I think is is realistic. She did have an inkling, though. She was like, something is not... There's something more than his dad wanted him to be a doctor and he isn't. There's something more to why he didn't want to go to this wedding. So she had an instinct. She just didn't put her finger on it. And again, not knowing that she's in a romantic comedy, she might not have put that together because it's a very rom-com plot. So we have to remember, this is characters living in a structure that they don't know they're living in.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you have to think, am I living in a rom-com right now and then what will the next thing be?
1: My rom-com would be one of those films that is like so long and laborious that you're like something has to happen. Like this would be the most You're uh, like in a
0: Terrence Malick movie. Yes, like, I'm they're in just a... images and no plot.
1: Yes. I, I'm in a Warhol film, <laughs> like the guy sleeping.
0: Oh, yeah. You're experimental cinema. I'm
1: experimental cinema. If I was a rom-com, I'd be experimental.
0: <laughs> I feel like your rom-com is like you start sending like notes to a girl across the street through your windows, draw little things. You recommend books to each other. And then the pandemic ends and you both come down the stairs and out of your apartments and then you just meet in the middle of the road.
1: Well, that's so romantic.
0: That's so sweet. You should start doing that. See if there's any women across the street.
1: I live across the street from a church.
0: Yeah, well. Hmm.
1: So maybe there's a horny nun.
0: <laughs> Listen, a lot of my teachers growing up were former nuns because they fell in love.
1: Well, you still hang out with a bunch of nuns, right? We've we've you uncovered know, this on the podcast is that you go to moon parties and you <laughs> hang out with nuns.
0: I go to moon parties on the regular. Not now, obviously. I do my own moon party. But the nuns, that's been exaggerated. I was friendly with him in college, and then I have not talked to him in like 10 years.
1: Why is that? Is that on your part? Is that on their part? Did they not like the kind of, you know, the fact that you would, you know, have, have sex with men, and then, and then they would come and be like, hey, remember when you had sex? And you'd say, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Something we also <laughs> revealed on this podcast that you forgot many <laughs> sexual partners. <laughs>
0: Not many. I forgot that one while I was talking to him. No, uh, I don't know. We just grew apart.
1: <laughs> okay. That makes sense.
0: My uncle's a priest and he introduced us. And then so we hung out a few times and then, you know, whatever, things change. They yeah, also are like going a- on missions all the time. Like, who can keep up?
1: Yeah. That old story. My uncle introduced me to a bunch of nuns. We know. It's like boring.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's a priest, so he knows a lot of nuns. You know, they all hang out together.
1: I'm sure he's, yeah. They go he's to the, the same the, parties. I'm sure he's a guy who can hook you up with some nuns.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, even that was something that I saw coming, and I was like, no, I love it. I still love that I'm here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the bride, who is Josh's ex-girlfriend, is only really kind to lucy too and she's just like well i'm happy that he's happy with somebody he seems to be happy with you and it wasn't that trope of like a bitter ex-girlfriend she was just sort of like he wasn't there for me emotionally and then i found this guy who was there for me emotionally so i married him instead and i'm like yeah mindy that checks out that sounds like you did the right thing for yourself
1: yeah and 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 josh is that way he is a closed off type of guy
0: yeah um, So I feel like we're jumping around a lot. But the announcement of the new position happens. And then Lucy comes up with all these ideas for uh, team building exercises. Because the thing is, there's Gamine and Bexley uh, are the two groups. And so Bexley, they're all like uptight and really structured and like really corporate. That's Joshua and um, Mr. Bexley. And then there's the Gamine's who is helene who is like french and they're all artsy and they're in in it for the love of literature and all this stuff so they're trying to like merge the two companies better lucy proposes all these things josh hijacks it and turns it into paintball instead Mm -hmm. here's my issue with the paintball thing that i could not get over okay everyone had to pay 20 dollars to play paintball Shouldn't like, that have
1: been taken care of by the company?
0: Yeah, I like my company fine. I like everyone I work with. Everyone's cool. But if you told me here you have to pay $20 to hang out with and play paintball, I'd be like, no, I'm going to go home.
1: You'd be like, don't you have petty cash?
0: Yeah, where's the petty cash? We just pay with petty cash. The paintball in itself was great for character building. Josh was really into protecting Lucy. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was interesting, too, it's like from – obviously we know we're reading romance we know and early on i figured josh has had feelings for lucy for a long time yes and you sort of i was seeing everything colored through the lenses of like josh loves lucy so but you see how people can misinterpret things and how she had a, a way in her mind that she thought Josh only hated her and only wanted bad things for her. And so she was interpreting everything through that lens. And that makes sense. And people do that. Like you have a preconceived notion of somebody and then all you're doing is looking for ways to confirm that initial bias. Um, So I thought that that was really well done in this book too, through that scene of him being kind to her and looking out for her, wanting to be near her and her, taking it all in these like weird directions
1: yes and this book actually it made me realize that i have to going forward when i'm able to face to face relate to people i need to make it very clear uh, when i hate somebody so they don't misinterpret it as love (laughs) Right. I feel like I don't want to be vague on that. I need to make sure that, say, I have an interaction with somebody that I work with that I, I strongly dislike. I don't want them going around thinking, oh, hey, this guy's got a crush on me. I need to find a way to make it clear that I hate them. It's not going to get in the way of our work situation. And it's not hate in the sense that you'd have to go to H.R. like they joke about in this book, going to H.R. all the time. But I have to just be more upfront with people as to how much I hate them. And I think that's a, a, a something that I learned from this book, which I really think is a powerful message.
0: Yeah, that's the opposite message, I think, that was intended, but...
1: Well, I mean, listen, an artist's work, once they've released it to the world, it is what it is, and it becomes what it becomes.
0: Right, it belongs to the world now.
1: But th- this is a plot, and that's why the... Enemies to friends thing works so well. well it doesn't work. for us we don't love it, but it worked really well here. but I think it's one of those things in real life that rarely is the case.
0: Right because the thing is if you don't like somebody, most people can just organize their lives in a way in which you just don't see that person. Yes. This also has them with a really organic reason why they have to be together.
1: Oh yeah, because they, they they sit right across from each other. And the one thing, too, that I liked about this is that you know, they're at the same level. Yeah. So it's an office romance that you can get away with nowadays, because nowadays there's a lot of issues with power dynamics. So like if he was her boss, then this is a whole different he treats her that way as her boss. Then he's a dick.
0: Yeah. Then that's like a really a bigger that's awful.
1: And then it then it gets into S&M territory then we're talking secretary and stuff like that, right? Where where the power dynamic is part of the sexiness of this. Now there is, I do believe, a power dynamic here when it comes to size. because. Yes. And, and, but I think that it's done well and it's done in a super sexy way because he is such a gentle guy when you get down to it. That I never felt like, oh shit, he's gonna crush her.
0: <laughs>
1: Cause she is tiny.
0: She's five feet.
1: Yeah, that is nuts.
0: I think about that all the time. I'm like 5'8, and I'm pretty sizable. And I think like how terrifying it must be to be a very small woman.
1: Well, I dated a very small woman, you, you know. Did. Yeah. And and uh Pat, producer Patty said, because producer Patty's what, 6'3? And he just said, I couldn't imagine uh, going through the world the, the, her size because everybody just seems so much bigger.
0: Yeah. And, well, she talks about it, too. She talks about only dating guys that are, like – but she actually dating guys who are, like, five eight, which is, like, you know, I think an average size for a guy, but it's still, like, significantly taller than her.
1: And but she said she did date a guy that could wear her jeans –
0: Oh, yeah. She likes little guys normally. Normally. But not Josh. He's no. a big one. What Josh notices because he's always paying so much attention to her at paintball is that she's sick. And even though she started up like a flirty office romance with um, Danny. Tool. Yeah. Who sucked from the beginning. At first, I was like, am I going to feel bad for him? Is this going to be like a James Marsden situation? No. He ended up being kind of a tool he uh, takes her home and takes care of her through the weekend while she's very ill. Yes. Yes. I ate up with a spoon. I loved it.
1: I was going to say, you love that, right? That's a trope that you love.
0: It was so, well, that's what you're talking about. It's like him being like this big guy who could be really intimidating. It could be really scary for her as a tiny person, but instead he like is so gentle and so in tune to her needs and in tune to what's happening with her That he notices that she's sick and then takes her home and like is changing the sheets, calls his brother, who's a doctor, to come over and take a look at her and um, cleans her apartment. I I just thought that was so sweet. And I'm like, she's so bonkers that she doesn't realize like, oh, he must love me or like me. Instead, she's like, ew, he saw my barf and he's now going to use that against me, which is like, I'm like, you dumb, dumb. I mean, I still love her, but I was also like, come on, you silly.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of that trope, but I did like it in this situation.
0: Have you ever taken care of a girlfriend when they were really sick?
1: Absolutely. You have? All the time. Oh, all the time. All Is- the
0: time? Uh, How yeah, sick is your girlfriends.
1: Uh, very sick. I only date very sick. I mean, well, the thing is, is that it, have you ever heard of Munchausen uh, by proxy?
0: <laughs> oh no, you're going to confess to something now. This yeah, is why not? To a different kind of podcast.
1: I mean, I've it's been so long since I dated somebody that the statue of limitations are all, all gone, so I can say this. <laughs> Let's talk about Danny for a second. Danny is the guy that she kind of has a. She thinks is cute. He works in the he does illustrations or whatever, graphics, right? So he makes these, what, like, you know, he's the kind of guy that would make this cartoon cover or whatever. Mm -hmm. And at first, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. And And this is what I loved about Joshua, Josh, is that he's like, he makes a crack about this guy being a nice guy. Like, oh, that's the best, that's the greatest thing you want to be called as a guy is nice. And it is true. Like, nice is so... Is one of the worst things you could call somebody because a lot of times "nice" means shrug. Nice means, right, it means fine. Nothing. It means nothing. I would yeah. rather be I'd rather be called anything than nice. Now, I would like to be called maybe uh, genuine is a nice thing to be called, right? Uh, polite is a nice thing to be called. Kind. Kind. These are things. Nice is whatever. Nice is they
0: did nothing to change my meter either direction. Yes. Fine. They're nice.
1: So Danny is the faux nice guy that you run into all the time. Because here's what Danny does. As soon as he figures out that Josh has any interest in Lucy, he tries to get in his face. And he tries to antagonize Josh. Because what he's trying to do is make Josh mad, but he realizes that he lives in a more civilized society than it used to be, where if you got in the face of somebody the size of Josh, he would murder you. (laughs) He would pummel you. Like, this is a, a situation that I'm not condoning, but I think now there is that level of you have these guys who don't have any sort of fear, and they don't have any sort of personality or backbone, and they can just challenge everybody and everybody's opinions and everybody's thoughts because they know that the repercussions aren't going to be severe for them. And that's the kind of guy Danny is. He's a weak-willed, spineless (laughs) dork.
0: Well, and I think the thing with Danny is he is also the person that if Josh didn't exist, she would just date Danny and it would be fine. And yes. they would be in a fine relationship and there wouldn't be sparks, but like it would be fine. And I think ain't for- nobody
1: writing a book about Danny and Lucy.
0: <laughs> no, no, nobody's writing about yeah Danny and anyone.
1: Ain't nobody but- doing a podcast about Danny and Lucy's relationship.
0: <laughs> well, w- something else that happens at Super Sexy is. Josh offers to drive Lucy to this first date that she has with Danny and in the elevator they kiss and it is super duper sexy, super hot. He like picks her up and puts her against the wall, like Mm -hmm. love it. And he basically says to her, if you kiss Danny and you feel the way that you felt just now, I'll step away. Yeah. And I think the thing with contemporaries is. That's hard. It's like in modern day, why wouldn't Josh just say, I like you. Let's go on a date or get a little too drunk at the Christmas party. or You know what I mean? You're just like, well, why not just do that? I believed it so strongly in this book. Josh, as a person, could never do that because for Josh, his big wound, like we all have that big wound we're trying to fill our entire lives that are like parents or childhood put in us. Is that he wants to be chosen. Yes. And so I think for him, he's like, I need Lucy to actively choose me. It doesn't matter. He's in love with her, obsessed with her, paints his bedroom, the color of her eyes, like crazy. He needs to know that Lucy looked everywhere and then chose him. So then I understand why he's not just like, I like you. He doesn't want to put any sort of pressure on her. And so him with the Danny thing, with the kissing, I really loved that too because he was like, I want you to choose me. I need that constant confirmation, which is annoying. He needs to fix that with it himself, like as the relationship progresses. But at least for this book, it was a really organic way to keep these people apart that was their own shit that also felt real and believable. And it's amazing that... um, Sally Thorne was able to do all that. Not never in Josh's point of view. Like you never have Josh say I need to be chosen because my father's a piece of shit and treated me like shit growing up. Mm -hmm. You get that. And that's all revealed when it's appropriate to be revealed. So I loved that part, too. Also, just the that kiss was is like a top 10 kiss for like sexiness for first kisses.
1: There was not a lot of sex in this book. But it was the perfect amount. It happened at the perfect time. And that's all I needed from this book. If it would have had more sex, I would have felt less engaged in their love and their romance because it would have felt to me more lust driven than it actually was. Like, I think these two are so good for each other. And I would believe a happily ever after with these two.
0: Yeah. And these are also two characters that are not just like he's perfect and she's perfect. And so they're perfect together. It's like, no, these are two like not easy people. (laughs) These are two difficult people who have a lot of issues. But I believe that together they will work those issues out and each become better people through the relationship they have with each other which is what I consider to be in a successful relationship. And you don't always get that in these books.
1: Yeah. When you finally interact with his family, with Josh's family at the wedding, and you see how his father is so much like him, yet Mm -hmm. they can't communicate, which is so funny because that happens so often And the mom is a sweetheart and the brother, the brother is just kind of like whatever, but he represents that nice guy that he thinks Lucy wants to end up with and that all women want to end up with because that always happens to him. I love that her parents were like sweethearts Mm -hmm. because we see so many of these books that every parent is an asshole, the mom, the dad, and the only person that's really an asshole. And it's only because you know, we're only getting to see that one aspect of him is Josh's father, who we see has a relationship with the mom that is very similar to Lucy and Josh's relationship. But that that was like a different time. So, you know, you're going to be less evolved if you're somebody in your 50s or 60s than people that are in their, what, late 20s, early 30s.
0: Yeah, just how people are socialized.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the thing is, like, there are layers to this book that when you start talking about it, you see them, but you're not seeing the seams while you're reading it.
0: Right. You're just enjoying yourself.
1: And I think that is a feat. I think Mm -hmm. that's because most of the time when I read these um, these contemporaries, I'm seeing the seams. Right. I'm seeing them pulling the strings. And of course, there's, you know, the strings pulling here. She gets sick, the, the having to share one hotel room, like those kind of things. You, know, they're, I mean, they're tropey, but they're at the highest level of that trope.
0: Well, that's the thing. And I mean, like the name of the podcast is Learning the Tropes. It's like tropes aren't bad in of themselves, but when they are done well, they are like magnificent it's amazing it's elevating Mm -hmm. um and so yeah she has like only one bed and all these different tropes in there but she does them so well and layers them so completely that it's just really well done and it's and it's what makes a book a joy to read you don't see the tropes necessarily other than to say i mean whatever i saw the one bed coming but you're not upset about it you're excited for it
1: i was gonna say there was anticipation when he said you know go to this wedding with me and she agrees and we don't know where they're gonna stay and i was like yes it's like they're gonna stay in one bed in one room because why else are you setting this up other than that right and i and i wanted it to happen
0: yeah i want i would have been so mad if there had been two bedrooms we're like, what are we doing here, people? Get them together. Yeah, I mean, it was a great book. I'm sure there's more that I would want to talk about. The uh, Her parents run a strawberry farm, and it's called Sky Diamonds, which is cute.
1: Yes, because of the Beatles.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: I thought it was cute. Well, I will say, I hate nicknames. I hate the cutesy nicknames. And Shortcake, that was the one thing. I did not like it. Mm -hmm. And I know it's an integral part of it, and it was important to know why she's called that. Now, for the younger people in the audience, there is a character called Strawberry Shortcake. There's also a dessert called Strawberry Shortcake. So uh, that's why she was called Shortcake, because her parents owned a strawberry farm. Uh, I don't like pet names, and anytime he said Shortcake, I lost a little, little bit of respect for him. Even though at first he was, at first he was supposedly doing it as a knock and a dig on her, but it did end up actually being something that he really loved about her, and he even would do Google trips to find, uh, you know, uh, uh, like cheap flights to get to the strawberry farm even before he started dating her. Yeah, because he wanted to see where she came from.
0: Oh, another moment that I loved was when they're in the hotel room before the wedding and she's getting ready and he's like, what is your lipstick called? Because she wears this same red flamethrower lipstick the whole time. And I thought that was such a great... Like, that's one of those things where it's just like a line or a quick scene tells you so much more about what's happening because like in him needing to know what the lipstick is called means that like he has been obsessing over her lipstick and trying to figure out what it is and looking it up and not being able to find it to the point where the second he gets the opportunity to ask what the lipstick is called, he needs to ask. Um,
1: Cause he's been painting the the lips of mannequins for, for, Months trying to get that right shade.
0: Yeah, he has all those heads <laughs> under his bed. It's disturbing when he pulls it out. No, that doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing about this book is that it is t- almost to that point because he does paint, like you said previously, he paints his bedroom the color of Lucy's eyes.
0: That was almost a bridge too far for me.
1: And you know, it's so, it's so nuts that this book can pull it off because uh, that is that is uh, obsessive behavior
0: that's crazy but yeah somehow it just barely straddles the line or it also just shows that like how much josh was obsessing about her yeah and i think there's going to be an adjustment period too like if you spent that long imagining somebody in every aspect of them when they are in front of you it's different it's it turns like quotidian and so you have to sort of adjust to that which I imagine they will I don't necessarily think it's smooth sailing for this couple I think they're going to end up together for the long haul but I don't think it's easy I think they still have some rocky shores but I believe there's a them.
1: lot of work yeah there's a lot of work like any relationship
0: totally it feels more real that way
1: this is the this is the big question would you fuck them yes yeah. You would fuck them both.
0: Yes. I mean Josh is a very attentive lover. I think he would be great. And then Lucy seems really cute.
1: I would say Lucy is a little bit too much for me. Yeah. In the it, it, she's a little scattered. She's a little all over the place. Mhm. So, I'm going to say no on Lucy.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: But I'm going to say a big big yes on Josh. Yeah this guy the way the way they describe his body the way lucy describes his body i mean come on he and he treats his body like a temple which i respect Mm -hmm. this guy goes this guy hits the gym this guy isn't eating treats this guy barely you have to force him to have uh, a bit of ice cream this is a guy that i could get down with yeah because we wouldn't eat sweets ever
0: you two would intermittent fast together.
1: Oh, we would we would uh, be on our deathbeds and be like, you know what's the greatest thing about our relationship? We haven't had refined sugar in fifty years.
0: <laughs> that's that's your dying breath to each other.
1: When we when we would do our vows, we would go up there and list off the foods that we wouldn't eat together. <laughs> that would be our relationship. I get, get more into weights because I'm more of a, I do a lot of cardio. I'd get him more into cardio, you know, I'd still want him to be beefy. Like I'd want to be beefier, but not as beefy as him. He's got to be the beefy guy. Oh yeah. Because I think he's got the build for it. He's.
0: You also, yeah, I mean, you can't compete with Josh. He's like six, five, just. A yeah. Of, yeah. There's absolutely.
1: No. I don't have the, I don't have the structure for that. Yeah. But I could add some, I could add 20 to 30 pounds of muscle sure yeah so i mean that i i think and i get why all the you know people on the troop and on instagram again don't have access to twitter say that he is like an all-timer because i do think he's up there for me
0: oh yeah he's definitely an all-timer i would say yeah for contemporaries without a doubt definitely contemporaries
1: by far contemporary i think he's my number one the only one that would be close is bringing what is that and i you know i gabe. love this book gabe.
0: cunnilingus gabe taking the heat by victoria doll
1: and you know what i love that book so much but the title it's gotta we gotta change that title because i can never remember it yeah
0: it's a book i love too and i cannot keep that title in my head
1: Call it Conalingus Gabe.
0: Yeah, that's what we want to say anyway.
1: Yeah, but that, I think uh, he's the only one that is, like, close.
0: My top three contemporary heroes are probably Josh, Gabe, and then maybe the guy from Chloe Brown, but I can't remember his name. And he was, like, a woodworker. Oh, red. Oh, red. Yeah, red.
1: Yeah, red. Yeah. He's too red. He's too red for (laughs) me.
0: Or the hero from Luck of the Draw. He was very sexy too, and he had that camp. He was outdoorsy. I bet he smelled like pine.
1: Yes. Well, listen. I want whatever soap Josh is using.
0: Yeah. I That's love soap. That's some expensive soap. shit.
1: I know. I love. I love good smelling soaps, and I need more access to them. Now, obviously, now I don't have access to anything. But w- once this ends, I need to really up my soap game.
0: Do you want to hear some Goodreads lists? Of course. Do it's you got want to ask?
1: this has to be on every list.
0: I mean, this was on 10 pages of list and this book also came out in 2019. So this is breaking all the records. Yeah. Um I tried to cut down on too many like redundant ones cuz they were on a lot of like enemies to lovers this stuff so whatever. We'll see. All right, number 1, slow burn romance.
1: Very slow burn. Yeah. But I liked it.
0: Best modern mostly epic love stories.
1: Um, don't like the use of epic in that way, but I agree.
0: I feel like epic is like Casablanca or like out of Africa, like something. I feel like this isn't so epic, but it's very good. I loved it, but. Humorous romance books. Yes. A Thin Line Love-Hate Relationships. Yes. Witty, Cute, and Sexy MF Adult Contemporary Romance.
1: Male-female, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, Best Boy Hates Girl Then Loves Her Books. He never hates her.
1: Never hated her. Always loved her.
0: Office romances. Yes. No insta-love here. Contemporary romance only.
1: Uh, I think that they both loved each other almost instantly, but they don't get together.
0: Instantly. I think he loved her from the jump, was afraid of his fifis, and then so pretended to hate her. And I think she loved him but didn't know to call it love okay and decided to call that hate instead
1: so is it on the list or off the list
0: i keep it on okay cool um best banter and bicker couples
1: i did like their banter
0: yeah they had a good rat tat tat going. laugh out loud romance romantic books
1: i only laughed out loud once, and it was when she was talking about going through his dumpster as a joke, and she listed a few things, and then she said adult diapers, <laughs> and I laughed because I'm a child, but I yeah. did think that that was funny.
0: You love scattered logical humor, brainy genius, romantic hero- heroines.
1: She's not a genius. no She's
0: not a genius. She seems like average. She's just like a hard worker. Head over heels, Heroes Who Fall First and Hard for their heroine. Yes. Swoon, Heart Pangs and Butterflies. I was swooning through this book. I was too. I love your quirks. Best romance hero heroines that are a bit odd in a good way.
1: Um yeah, she wasn't.
0: I mean odd. she collected Smurfs and cleaned them with a toothbrush. I thought that was bizarre but fine. Everyone needs a hobby. And then she has very odd fashion choices. Like she doesn't seem to know how to present herself.
1: Yeah. Although I, 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 I hate to put her in that category because that then makes me dislike her a little bit. Yeah. But I do think if it is, if she is odd, she didn't, it wasn't so obnoxious right that it turned me off so i'd say you could stay on this list but i'm i'm assuming the books on this list i wouldn't be a fan of
0: yeah petite heroine big hero oh yes not a man contemporary romance
1: yeah he's not a he's not a manho.
0: he basically hasn't slept with anyone since he started working there yeah uh memorable books with low angst I guess there there's some there's some angst here. I feel like Josh is all angst, but yeah. we never really see it. We're never at his point of view.
1: She floats a bit through, like, because her worst problem is that this really hot guy might hate her. Which, mm-hmm. of course, you never want. You never want to be bullied at work. That's bad. You never want to look like you don't. Never want to be talked down to at work. So that's some. But like. She didn't really have much angst. You're right. No,
0: she did not have angst. I think he had angst. But yeah. it's not a particularly angsty book, I agree. Hidden Gems and Romance. I would not call this hidden. I no. feel like everyone's talking about it, with good uh, reason.
1: Yes. Agreed. Her- Take it off the list.
0: Yeah. heroine is completely ignorant of the hero's love. Yes. Featuring smart, funny, and proactive female leads.
1: Yeah, she goes about in her own way, trying to figure out the relationship. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, she's always moving. She's always doing something. Um, MF only, romance safe from triangles, cheating of any kind between hero <laughs> and heroine, emotional or physical.
1: Okay, again, this is probably the same. <laughs> Monogamy Yeah. is, what, nature, whatever, list maker. So we see you're trying to come off a little bit less insane with this list but i agree but that's not the point of this book
0: yeah you're working things out list maker and that's okay all right quiet girl meets tortured hero
1: she's not really quiet i mean she's not no she hasn't really hung out with anybody since her bestie kind of ghosted on her after she got laid off so I I don't feel like she's necessarily like quiet. I think she's just going through something.
0: Right, exactly. Um, keep it so on the list.
1: Take it off the list. Take it off the list.
0: Best final H H H happy hopeful heartwarming endings that leave you with a smile on your face. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I wish I could have guessed what those H's were because I would have no we'd we'd be here all night. All night.
0: I want to go to bed eventually yes here's something else behind the scene guys so normally we record on the weekends during the day and now we record like in the evening after I've had dinner which is prime sleepy time for me so yeah
1: Yeah. see for me I love the nighttime because that's when the nighttime is when the world is mine so I'm up (laughs) till like 3 a.m baby
0: oh god um intense romance with shy but strong male yeah he's shy but strong
1: mm-hmm.
0: plain jane and hot stud romance novels i don't Sh- think she's plain jane
1: she ain't plain but he a hot stud
0: oh yeah he's stud. um sweetest romance ever yeah heroes like mr darcy
1: um i guess this is a reference to what is that pride uh, and prejudice pride and prejudice A book I've never read and a movie I've never seen.
0: The movie is good and the book is fine.
1: Okay, so I'm going to say it's up to you.
0: I mean, I do think he's like Mr. Darcy because the thing with Mr. Darcy is he like is so stuffy that he just keeps saying the wrong thing and insulting the heroine. And I think that's sort of what happened here. So then I would say yes.
1: Well, how much can Mr. Darcy deadlift?
0: I don't, they were all soft as bread back then. I mean, what yeah. is he doing?
1: He needs to start. All the he,
0: aristocracy.
1: He needs to start flipping some monster truck tires or some shit, this Mr. Darcy, because he ain't going to cut it.
0: Um, and then the last starchy hero gets unstarched.
1: He is a bit starchy, which I normally do not like. But you like.
0: Yeah. Well, I like that they come become undone for the heroine yes I, if they're starchy the whole time I'm very bored but if they're like falling apart by the end which he never necessarily is falling apart for her but it's still romantic I still like it
1: and there are a few times where his uh clothes get his hair gets screwed up and his clothes go askew that I think is enough of a unstarchy moment that I got I liked
0: yeah um and then so our old friend Ruby Lang who's been on the podcast so she is part of a um is it called an anthology but like this book of different short stories where the theme is all starchy hero gets unstarched oh fun and it's called he's come undone so if that's a trope for you pre-order that now
1: oh oh so this isn't this hasn't come out yet
0: no I got a sneak peek but. I'm very excited to read it, let me tell you.
1: Look at you. It's
0: going to be good. Um. All right, Clayton, what are your tropes?
1: Workplace romance, office romance, size difference, mm-hmm. miniature heroine. Miniature? She, <laughs> she is tiny. Yeah. Slow burn, long time without a sex scene, alpha male. Now, I think Josh is an alpha.
0: Oh, yes
1: and he's the kind of alpha that i love where he you know you know me i love an alpha and he's the kind of alpha that at the end we realize why he's an alpha and he can work on the things that make him off-putting
0: right he takes care of his kingdom
1: um annoying pet names again every pet name is annoying to you everyone is bad dad Sweet parents otherwise, though, because her parents are very sweet and his mom is very sweet. Yeah. Hero nurses heroin back to health. Shy hero. Gym rat hero, because this boy is doing his work in the gym. Good for you. Only one room slash bed. Health conscious hero. Couch worship, because she loved his couch.
0: I mean, I had major couch envy because my couch sucks i couch
1: love a good couch
0: mm, there's nothing better
1: i miss i think that's the thing i miss the most in my new apartment setup is no couch
0: mm, that's tough
1: Aaron, what are your
0: tropes so only one room bed enemy to lovers amazing first sex because it's not always amazing the first time but this was like phenomenal the first time like the best sex ever um, tall, hero, tiny heroine, uh, single point of view, first person point of view, collections, she collects Smurfs, heroine is sick and hero helps her, hero cleans that heroine's house, I love that so much, um, I've loved you so long, bad family, elevator kisses, kissing in a closed space, I realize this is a trope I love. Yes. Elevator kiss, I also still think about the kiss from um, Kate Claiborne's luck of the draw i'm almost certain it's that one where, where they're at the camp and they make out in the bed in the bunk bed
1: oh yeah
0: that was really sexy too um jealousy he gets very jealous of danny and sort of dismissive in a way that like in real life i would find problematic but in the book i'm sort of like yeah i accept it um bickering bantering hero has low self-esteem heroine stands up for the hero great that's it
1: Now, Aaron, I don't know if you want to do this, but I I made a little game for this episode.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: it's a short game, but it's called The Clayton Game. (laughs) And since this is a book called The Hating Game, what I'm going to do is I'm going to list off an item or a person or a thing, and you're going to tell me whether I hate it or not.
0: This is so... I love this. Okay, Do you want to play ready. this game? I'm going to be so good at this game.
1: I think you will be good at this game as well. Tea. The drink, the beverage, tea. Love? Hate. Hate. Dirt water.
0: I knew it. All right. Coffee. No, you don't like coffee either. I love it. But I
1: can't have it.
0: Oh, your tum-tum.
1: Too much acid. Meghan Markle and Prince Harry.
0: Like, as a couple? The, it's so whole, ar- thing. the, the, the whole, whole thing. The whole thing. I mean, I'm an anti-monarchist. Are you? Yes. You have to be. They're freeloaders.
1: Well, do, do, do you oh, think I hate, hate them or not?
0: Oh, love. Love because they left.
1: <laughs> no hate what enough with these two no one cares
0: oh, a lot of people care
1: no people shouldn't <laughs> self checkouts hate love love not having what? to deal I'm with somebody. Bombing this
0: game i thought that i knew you i guess i never knew you okay
1: self-help books
0: feel like you've read a lot oh god now i'm doubting myself jesus Uh, love hate no i
1: hate them they're Uh a waste of time i've read a lot of them they're a waste of time
0: yeah i forget how many books you read that you don't like
1: a good amount (laughs) essential oils
0: maybe bergamot love hate I
1: love i love oh essential God. oils i'm all about the essential oils
0: <laughs> uh,
1: i'm like a christian scientist with the uh with the essential oils i didn't realize oils. that you
0: loved essential oils i have a really good diffuser
1: yeah i need to get a, 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 a my diffuser broke mm-hmm. it's a whole long story we should go into it
0: yeah people are on the edge of their seat
1: Taylor Swift.
0: Oh, God. I mean, I've been wrong literally every single time. And I don't remember you ever talking about Taylor Swift. But I do feel like you would respect her as an artist. So, love? Yes, I love Taylor Swift. Okay, thank God. I think she's
1: a great songwriter. Red is one of my favorite albums ever. Internet challenges. Oh, hate. Of course I hate internet challenges. <laughs> Don't challenge me, internet. I've got enough going on already. Enough with the challenges. Cyclists. Hate. Hate. Hate, hate cyclists. Because you're a runner and you can't yes. be both. Yes, can't be both. Thank you so much. The U.S. Office.
0: The U.S. version of The Office? Yes. Hate.
1: Yes, overrated. What's going on? These this generation of kids is being poisoned by this drek. Okay. <laughs> Last one. Ben Affleck.
0: I'm trying to think like of anything you've said about like that new basketball movie that came out. He is a good director. So I would love.
1: Yes, love you, Ben. I'm rooting for you. <laughs> great job he and listens that, yeah and that is the clayton game
0: i loved that game that was a lot of fun
1: it's hard because once you get a few wrong you do start doubting
0: yeah all right clayton so do you have anything that you're swooning about this week
1: my swoon for this week is a book called paperback crush written by gabriel moss and what this book is is it's a book about 80s and 90s teen fiction. And so it's about Sweet Valley High, Nancy Drew, all this stuff. And it's real fun because I used to read a lot of, you know, teen fiction, but guys teen fiction. So I didn't read a lot of the girls, the Sweet Valley, the the Nancy Drew, the what things guys, like that. What were
0: guys like Hardy Boys? Yeah,
1: Hardy Boys. Uh, the Gordon Corman wrote a bunch. Lewis Sacher, Satcher, Sacher, the guy who wrote Holes. Mm-hmm. But he wrote some some like the 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 boy who lost his face, which what was one of my favorite books. And there's a boy in the girls' bathroom. Which was one of my ultimate favorite books. But this is about the, the girl's side. Like, listen, I mean, you can read whatever you want. But back then, things were seemed a lot more segregated. You know, like, if there was a—I would read whatever. But if I had a pink cover, I was like, Ugh, I don't know if I can do that. But, like, this is about Babysitter's Club and all these. But also those books that were about teen pregnancy and abortion and things like that. And it's, it's actually, it's like really funny, but it's also very insightful about the trends uh, of teen fiction at those times. So they also cover your Christopher Pikes and your mm-hmm. R.L. Steins, you know, Fair, Fear Street and stuff like that. And I was always fascinated with those books, but I was too, uh, too much of a scaredy cat to read any of them. So... It's a real fun book, and it's nice, light reading. And I think what what it it will do, if you're somebody who used to read these back in the day, it'll make you want to go back and dig into some of those books maybe you hadn't uh, read in in a while. Have you ever read, like, did you used to read Sweet Valley and all that stuff?
0: Sweet Valley always seemed like it was a little bit too cool for me. I think I had a good idea of my place. But I was reading, I read all of Babysitter's Club. Yes. I actually, I had lunch with Ann M. Martin once, which was a big highlight of my life. Wow. It was very cool.
1: How'd that come about?
0: Um, So my, it was like from my mom. So my mom is a labor and delivery nurse. And she started a support group called Motherless Mothers. So it's for women whose mothers had passed away before they had children. It was based wow. on a book of the same name. And Anne M. Barton had experienced that. And then so she was organized with the group and came to town for some reason. And then we ended up all having like lunch together. Wow. My mom knowing I was a big fan and then Anne M. Barton knowing I was a big fan because I was there. I told her I was. Um, and it was really cool. And then she talked about how one of Mallory doesn't have a mother and, and why she picked that character and stuff. It was really, really cool.
1: Did you have one that you were? Like, which babysitter were you?
0: I felt like I was a Mallory. Okay. Not be- my mother was alive, but, like, there were other things, like, that I was, like, yeah, I always felt a kinship with Mallory. Cool. Wanted to be a Stacey or a Don. Yeah. Obviously. Who didn't? Um, Christy was always too much. And Claudia was too scatterbrained.
1: Here's something that could be fun. And we should maybe put it up to the fans. Would it be fun to read A Sweet Valley High?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sure they had like, romantic ones and stuff.
1: Like, that might be fun as a kind of uh, change of pace. Now, it wouldn't be a romance, but it would be, like, yeah, like a romantic one. Mm -hmm. One that is specifically a romance would be interesting. Because I've never read A Sweet Valley High.
0: I definitely have read them, but I wasn't as into them as I was, like, Babysitter's Club, Saddle Club. There was a series called Thoroughbred, which is great.
1: Well, you were a horse girl. We all know this. I was this. a
0: horse girl. Still. You still are. It. You never stop being a horse girl. Just yeah. deep in my heart, I'm still a horse girl. That's really cool. What is the name of that book again?
1: It's called Paperback Crush. So, Aaron, what has you swooning this week?
0: So, I have two television shows that I'm swooning about. Um... And also, I'm going to swoon about this app, my friend Taylor, who you know, told me about yesterday, and I've become obsessed with it in that amount of time. It's called TV Time, and basically, it sounds dumb, but it's great. You put in all the TV shows you're watching, and it'll say, here's how long until you finish watching those shows, here are upcoming episodes, because my problem is, I sit down to watch TV like I'm having lunch or something or it's like at the end of the day and I see Hulu and Netflix and all this stuff and I like can't remember what I'm watching or what's next or what this has a new episode. So this keeps track of all of that for you. So I love it. Um, And you can also add shows that you want to watch because I feel like there's a lot of shows too that people mention. I'm like, oh, I want to check that out. And then you immediately forget. Nice. It's TV time. But two shows that I recently discovered that I love, one is run on uh hbo and it's Merritt weaver a goddess wonderful and donald gleason who's fantastic as well and it is written by vicki jones who is phoebe waller bridges best friend and occasional writing partner and it's basically just about this these two people who were uh who like dated in college and they both had this pact that if each of them texted each other run at the same time they would meet on this trade in new york going to chicago and basically leave their lives behind so that's what they've done and you kind of have to it's like a bit of a mystery who who are they who are they to each other what was their lives before but i'm really really loving it um and then the other show is belgravia which is julian fellows who wrote and created downton abbey this is a new show um And it's all about that area of london uh and sort of the new people coming up the new money and the old money and sort of the tensions in between the two and there's a love child and it's just so many romance tropes and it's fantastic the only tough thing is the two main actresses look so similar it is very difficult to tell them apart once you get that sorted in your brain then i think you're set um and so i love that show as well so those are two fun ones to check out
1: great erin Where can they reach us?
0: So you can always email us, learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to suggest a book, let us know what you're reading, anything like that email us we're on Twitter at Learning Tropes uh, we're on Instagram at Learning the Tropes and then we have our Facebook group Learning the Tropes Troop which is a lot of fun uh, every week the past few weeks we've been having our polls in there um, for what we're going to read next and people seem to really enjoy that and are talking about the different books and stuff so if you want to get in on it if you want to vote on what we're going to be reading you can do it there we're trying to decide if we're going to continue to do that for uh, May May so we'll see and if you have an opinion if you like it you want us to keep doing the polls let us know if you would rather we just do like we do normally which is just give you all the books we're reading in a month at the beginning of the month we can do that too and also don't forget to rate review subscribe on apple podcasts it's how people find us and we really appreciate it if you could take the time to do it And then, Clayton, do you want to let them know what they will be voting on in the troupe for next week?
1: Well, so it's a little bit different. We're doing movies because we're going to get producer Patty on the mic. You have a choice of three movies. Bridget Jones' Diary, Crazy Stupid Love, and My Best Friend's Wedding. So you get one vote, and we've extended the period you can vote until the end of the day, Friday, because it's a lot. We're gonna watch it this weekend. It's a lot easier to watch a movie than read a book. So go to the Facebook troupe, join if you haven't joined, and then go ahead and vote. And make sure to argue for your pick because there's some people out there that are like, I don't, I don't know. And you have the power to warp their mind to do your bidding and that is really what the internet is all about
0: <laughs> exactly
1: and especially Facebook Listen, it's fun to interact with people now so go ahead and do that we love it um, that, I wouldn't have read this book if you guys hadn't voted for it I know and, this was the
0: best part of this podcast is when books like this come along Yeah. I love it so much and I would not have read it on my own I'm so happy I did. All right, learning the tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Bye, everybody. Bye, stay safe.